future seeing. And sometimes it's really wise to read. Everything flows out and in. Everything has its tides. All things rise and fall. The pendulum swing manifests in everything. The measure of the swing to the right is the measure of the swing to the left. Rhythm always compensates. When we're thinking of the future, it's wise to have realistic expectations and to understand what controls and changes and adapts moods and feelings of human beings. Many people are addicted to these moods and feelings as if they are the measure of a life, but they're not. Moods and feelings are the distractions of a life. When we act and think and behave for the future, moods and feelings and what have you are the experience of the moment. We understand that to witness those are important because they are the fruit of the past. But to act on them is unwise. Because to act on the feelings and the moods of the present will cause the past to become the future. We act, we feel, we think and we behave to the future. Well, let's begin with a little more understanding of the topic of rhythm. <clears throat> let's begin by understanding that it's a universal law. The principle of rhythm embodies the truth that everything there in life ma is manifested by a measured motion. To and from movements, a flow and an inflow, a swing forward and a swing backward, it's a pendulum-like movement, a tide-like ebb and flow, a high tide and a low tide. Between the two poles manifest on a physical, mental or spiritual plane. The principle of rhythm is closely connected to the principle of polarity. Rhythm manifests between two poles. This does not mean, however, that the pendulum of rhythm swings to the extreme poles, for this rarely happens. In fact, it is difficult to establish what are the extreme poles. But the swing is forever toward one pole and then back toward the other. There is always an action and a reaction, an advance and a retreat, a rising and a sinking, manifested in all airs, all phenomena in the universe, suns, worlds, Human beings, animals, plants, minerals, forces, energy, mind and matter, yes, even spirit manifests in this principle. The principle manifests in the creation and destruction of worlds, in the rise and fall of nations, in the life history of all things, and finally in the mental states of human beings, which we'll discuss later. Beginning with the manifestations of spirit, the all, it's noticed that there is an ever outpouring and indrawing, the outbreath and the inbreath. Universes are created, reach their extreme low point of 
materiality and then begin their upward swing. Suns spring into being and then they're at their height of power is, is reached. The process of retrogression begins and after eons they become dead masses of matter. And thus is, it is with all worlds. They are born, grow and die. Only just to be reborn again. And thus it's with all the things of shape and form. They swing from action to reaction, from birth to death, from activity to inactivity, and then back again. And it is also true that, it's, that it is with human living things. They are born, grow and die, and then are reborn. So it is with all great movement, philosophies, creeds, fashions, governments, nations, and all else, birth, growth, maturity, decadence, and death, and then new birth. The swing of the pendulum is ever in evidence. Night follow, follows day and day-night. The, the pendulum swings from summer to winter and then back again. The corpuscles, atoms, molecules, and masses of matter swing around in the circle of their nature, there is no such thing as absolute rest or cessation from movement, and all movement partakes of rhythm. The principle is of a universal application. It may be applied to any question, any phenomena, or any of the many planes of life. It may be applied to all phases of human activity. There is always rhythmic swing from one pole to the other. The universal pendulum is ever in motion. The tides of life flow in and out according to this law. The principle of rhythm is well understood by modern science and it is considered a universal law as applied to material things. But with inner wealth, we carry the principle much, much further and know that its manifestation and influence extends to the mental activities of human beings, that it accounts for the bewildering succession of moods, feelings and other annoying, perplexing changes that we notice in ourselves. We study these operations and the principle of rhythm to escape some of this transmuted activity that comes from the process of rhythm in the human mind. We know that the principle of rhythm is invariable and ever in evidence. Still, there are two planes of its manifestation so far as mental phenomena is concerned. We know that there are two general planes of consciousness, the lower consciousness and the higher consciousness, the understanding of which enables us to rise to the higher plane and escape the swing of the rhythmic pendulum, which manifests so abruptly and grossly on the lower plane. In other words, the swing of the pendulum occurs in the unconscious plane and the conscious was, was not affected. They call the law of neutralization. Its operation of consists of raising of the ego above the vibration of the unconscious plane of mental activity so that the negative swing of the pendulum is not manifested in consciousness and therefore we are not affected. It's akin to rising to the top of the point from which the pendulum swings. The advanced student of inner wealth polarises themselves at the desired pole by the highest possible rising along the pendulum 
itself. We refuse, therefore, to participate in the huge swings that keep other people in the state of storytelling and emotion and therefore denial. All people who have attained any degree of self-mastery accomplish this more or less unknowingly. They are either a focused on something so magnetizing that they have no interest in the swinging of the pendulum. B, they've decided to become uh, self-mastered. Or C, they're driven to this state through the urgency of a circumstance. The importance of this will be appreciated by any thinking person who realises what creatures of moods and feelings of emotions and the majority of, that the majority of people are and how little mastery of themselves they manifest and how hard it is for these people to continue to sustain themselves on this planet. Just stop and consider for a moment. You'll realise how these swings of rhythm have affected you in your own life, how a period of enthusiasm has been invariably followed by the opposite feeling of depression. Likewise, your moods of periods of courage have been succeeded by equal moods of fear. And so it's ever been with the majority of persons. Tides and feelings have ever risen, fallen with them. But they've never suspected the cause and effect. An understanding of the workings of this principle give one the key to the mastery of the rhythmic swings of feelings and will enable them to grow further and better and faster into their service from the I to the me, to the my, to the you. With, with this will, there is superior consciousness and the ability to manifest. Although this principle can never be destroyed, we may escape its effect by rising up the pendulum to where the swing is less. And so this is the will of human beings. There are temperaments which permit but low degrees of enjoyment, but equally low degrees of suffering. These are the philosophies, for example, of Buddhism. While there are others which permit the most intense enjoyment, but also the most intense suffering. The rules of many of these philosophies is to celebrate the pleasure and commiserate the pain. Very rarely do they realise they are just two parts of one philosophy. We go further. We say, before a person is able to enjoy a certain degree of pleasure, they must have swung as far proportionally toward the other pole of that feeling. They hold whatever that negative precedent to the positive is in balance. In other words, pay up for it. We regard this chain of emotional swings, the forming of opinions and gaining of beliefs which are rigid and one-sided as being a complete waste of existence. Many years ago, I was in Canada... And they asked me to come to a house where a man was dying. 
to bring some level of peace to this guy as he passed. A native he was, the grandfather, the grandfather of many grandchildren, the father of many children. Four of his sons had passed through suicide. One of those sons has passed through suicide after an argument with the man that I was talking to. He held great love for his grandchildren and the remaining children, but this love was clouded, held a prisoner by guilt. Stuck in the past, telling stories about how he did this and how he could have done that and how he should have done this. My job was not to give him peace, but to release him from the stories that held him trapped in a cloud of guilt, unable to reveal his love. Everybody knew it, everybody felt it, everybody understood it, but he couldn't. He felt guilt for the past and therefore could not arrive in the present moment himself in order to experience his own love. It was trapped. The journey was not so much a spiritual one with this man, but to help him recognise the process of rhythm in his own life. And that in some of his confrontations with his sons who had passed, there was also commiserations. That also in some of the struggles he had with his family, there was also kindnesses. And that actually he was just swinging on a pendulum at, yes, he admitted at a really relatively low ebb. He was right at the end of the pendulum swing, polarity to polarity, polarity to polarity. And yes, there had been some times where there'd been fierce violence and then there'd been fierce peace. But for him, they were two opposing moments rather than one moment with two ends, like a piece of string. It was life, it was relation, it was love, but each side of the string was either hot or cold. And who could measure how long the string was and who could measure how polarised he was? It's impossible. And when he came to realise that all of this, that anger and tenderness was just one piece of string called caring. That parenting was just one piece of string called resistance and support. When he started to realise this, his story started to melt. He could no longer say how bad he was or how wrong he was or how much he caused this. He caused nothing. He had both sides and his story started to melt. And as he witnessed this rhythm of his own past, he became more and more released, as it were, from those stories. And when we release ourselves from stories of the past, when we release this rhythm and this perception of polarity without connectivity, 
when we realise we are just swinging backwards and forwards, when what we had too much of as a child was always balanced. There was only a perception. Too much, too little, too much, too little. Too much of what, too little of what. Too much and too little were always in the same moment, balanced. It was impossible to be otherwise. Except in the human perception. And when we release ourselves from these stories, things start to shift. And this beautiful old man who was going to pass, there was no choice. His body was too far gone. When this man released himself from the stories, his eyes filled with water, inspired eye tears, and everybody in the room was witnessing our conversation, 30, 40 people, all his family, filled with tears as well, and his guitar string was heard by everybody in the room, and their music started to play to the same tune as his, and it was no longer a a confined love. It was no longer a love held in story, in past. It was a presence. And this presence was powerful and he passed. He passed. There was no future to tell. There was no need to act, to think and behave in this present moment for the future. There was none. There was just a, an opportunity for him to turn up when we added up at, after his passing, we sat and talked, and we added up the full extent of his life. And for all his guilt and all his suffering and all his storytelling and all his commiseration about being raped as a child at the hands of priests and what have you, we added it all up and we balanced each story. And it came down that his life added up to about two minutes of existence. Moments of absolute love that he felt all the way through his life. And this experience of two minutes put into one moment was a massive celebration. When we're in a state of challenge or a state of support, we're in a state of lying to ourselves. We're in the state of marketing. We're in the state of romance. We're in the state of storytelling. And this is enjoyable, and that's why we do it. But when we, add up, when we add up the moments of real presence, when we were not living in historical stories or not infatuated with the future, but absolutely hugging the tree, celebrating the present, those moments, if you add them up in a time sequence, add up to only a few minutes of existence. And we realise that how much time either side of the line of our life we spent wasted in stories. The laws of compensation play an important part in the lives of men and women. One generally pays the price of anything they possess or they lack. If we have one thing, we lack another. Balance is always struck. No one can keep the penny and have the bit of cake. Everything is pleasant and unpleasant. The things that one gains are always paid for by the things that one loses. The wealthy possess much that the poor lack, while the poor often possess things that are beyond the reach of the rich.
The millionaire may have the inclination towards feasting and the wealth to secure all that is luxurious, while that person may also lack the appetite to enjoy the same. They may have everything but be unable to enjoy it. Sometimes the wealthy envy the appetite of the labourer to laugh and enjoy the simplicity of existence. And so it is through life, the law of compensation, the law of rhythm work, ever operating and striving to balance and counterbalance, always succeeding in time, even though several lives may be required for the return of the swing of the pendulum. And sometimes we have to remember that when we partner with another human being and we form a bond in love, sometimes there is one pendulum for two people. And what one person represses, the other expresses. This is often the case when we become a people pleaser. We think that binding to a partner means pleasing a partner to all their satisfactions. And then two people become one. Two people have different value sets, but when they believe that the relationship is uh, bonded by two people having the same value sets, agreeing on things, collaborating on everything, acknowledging everything, one becomes the puppet, the other becomes the puppeteer. When two people are the same, one is not necessary, and this relationship would be doomed. Sustaining individually, individuality is to not avoid the swing of the pendulum, but to, to experience it as an individual rather than a couple. To accept one person will have their ups and downs, will have their gains and losses, and the other person will do the same. And we don't become the puppet of the other person just because we're in collaboration or in partnership or in marriage with that person. They have their own swings. Rescue breeds resentment. Whenever we step in to help our partner avoid their pain, avoid their trouble, avoid their struggle, to give them what they can't get for themselves, we will be resented for it eventually. We've talked many times in the process of future, future seeing about the fact that we live and celebrate the day. We hug the tree. We celebrate this day and we expand our arms to wrap our arms around bigger and bigger days. That there is nothing we want to take out of this day because it was caused by yesterday. It has arrived here today. And there is no use trying to change today. It is here. Our job is to wrap our arms around it and include it in our perception of reality with gratitude. However, when it comes time for TAB, think, act, behave. How do I think? How do I act? How do I behave today? It's for tomorrow. Because tomorrow, if we want to have a better day than today, we have to think, act and behave differently to what we behaved leading up to today. That is caused change. That means we have to reevaluate. The model that's being shared within a wealth is past, present, future. Get over the past, turn stories into events. Celebrate the moment, celebrate the present, hug the tree, 
Give it a big bear hug. And if it includes things you don't like, expand your arms. Today has already happened. There's no use running around trying to fix today. Today is today. Today is today. It's a result of yesterday. So if you want to make tomorrow different to today, don't behave to fix today. Behave for tomorrow. Think for tomorrow. Act for tomorrow. Tomorrow will be different. One of the ways to do that is to be very aware of cause and effect and the law of rhythm. This is Chris. You have a beautiful day. Bye for now.